When was the last time you visited a museum? What brought you there? How did it engage you? Your imagination, your experiences, your creativity. My name is Natalia Guerrero, and this is Avant, a series by Women in the Arts, Inc. to introduce you to the life, work, and legacy of contemporary women artists and art industry leaders. In this episode of the series, I speak with Betsy Peters, who is the Director of Programs at the Morse Museum in Winter Park, Florida. I visited her at the museum along with Maria Guerrero, the founder and director of Women in the Arts, Inc. As a COVID precaution, we held the interview outdoors, on a patio outside the museum, just a few blocks from the Sunrail track, which cuts through Winter Park. This February afternoon, it was warm and sunny, and I could understand why Jeanette Genius McCain, the museum's founder, originally from Chicago, had put down her roots in Winter Park. We spoke with Betsy Peters, the director of programs at the museum, to learn more about the museum's mission and how programs at the museum connect it to the surrounding community. My name is Betsy Peters. I'm the director of programs at the Morse Museum in Winter Park, Florida. Jeanette McCain founded the museum in 1942. The Morse Museum houses the world's most comprehensive collection of works by Louis Comfort Tiffany. The holdings also include American art pottery, late 19th and early 20th century American paintings, graphics, and decorative art. Hugh McCain, Jeanette's husband and the museum's first director, had a unique perspective of Tiffany and his work, having studied under him early in his career. When Tiffany's Long Island estate, Laurelton Hall, burned down in 1957, Hugh and Jeanette made an effort to salvage as much of its art and architectural elements as they could. The Tiffany collection they amassed is now the centerpiece of the Morse Museum. Tiffany fits in many slots. Tiffany um, frequently is associated with the Art Nouveau movement, uh, which is a very short, short-lived kind of movement, art movement that lasted um, oh, 10, 15 years around the turn of the 20th century. But Tiffany, actually, we categorize him here at the Morse as an esthete. He's really most associated with the aesthetic movement. Mm. And so this idea of beauty and beauty for beauty's sake. And so, and Tiffany himself described, uh, described him as being on a quest of beauty. And so, and when you look at the art, it is, it's beautiful. And it's, it's, uh, breathtaking um, and so and he covered so many different he was captivated by color loved color and so when he was a painter he started out as a painter and when he started out as a painter he loved the color but you know it wasn't it wasn't enough for him so then he moved in glass and glass was something that you know not only what is color color is light and so glass you know captures light and all totally different way than paint does. And so he revolutionized, you know, American glass. And um, so that's, his glass is very different than you'll see, you know, kind of, of the other glass of his time period because he wanted all the imperfections and all the color to come from the glass mixtures itself rather than painting on the surface of glass. He wanted it all in that molten batch of glass that he was working with. I asked Betsy about the legacy of Tiffany's work in the present day 
and how the decorative arts have changed more than a century after the peak of the arts and crafts movement. People are very um, attuned to their surroundings and want to be kind of enveloped, if you will, in some space that they feel comfortable in. I think that interiors are something that, you know, you live in those interiors, and I think that, that it's something that it, it changes and there are different, uh, different moments, but I think that you tend to, as a resident of that interior, you gravitate towards what you're comfortable with and kind of incorporate it into your surroundings. I think Tiffany was such a chameleon, so to speak, that he actually, I think that people do tend to think of, oh, well, it's, it's heavy and there's excess in it. But he also did very modern things. In our uh, Louis Comfort Tiffany's Laurelton Hall exhibition, there's a wonderful uh, fireplace that he did. It's a very modern. It looks like it could have been done today. And the whole, the whole uh, gallery is actually very calming and it's got streamlined features. So it's kind of interesting. He could play both, you know, he could kind of, he ran the whole gamut, so to speak. His home on Long Island, it was a very, you know, it's been compared to, you know, there've been comparisons with Frank Lloyd Wright because he played around with the inside and outside. So, you know, the daffodil terrace that you can, you get the sense that you're going outside, but that was having, you know, you could stand and look out over the land and, and see nature, and nature was kind of, you know, creeping into that space. You had water running through his reception hall, so again, the idea of bringing the outside in and taking the, you know, inside out. So ribbon windows um, and some of it. So a kind of an interesting balance of uh, what he was able to do. And very much of his, of his time because he was looking and probably met a lot of these people over his lifetime that he was influenced by and they influenced him. Betsy is the director of programs at the Morse Museum. I wanted to understand her approach to designing experiences for the public to explore the collections. We opened an exhibition in November, uh, which is a very special gift that the museum received. It's entitled The Stebbins Collection. And we have a show up um, that this gift of paintings, works on paper, watercolors, sculpture. And when the museum does an exhibition, we do a lot of things revolving around that exhibition. We like to say here at the Morse, and you've probably heard it before, that the Morse rewards uh, multiple visits. And so, you know, it's kind of one of those things that when I was preparing for this interview and feeling nervous, I was thinking about what, what makes the Morse special or, or different or a little, you know, every museum has their niche or has their, their specialty or kind of what they offer. And one of the things that we try to do as a staff is, you know, we have the exhibitions, but I like to think of everything that we do as kind of, uh, of the exhibition as kind of the core of the wheel and then all these things come off as like a spoke of a wheel. So, you know, we have, you know, the programming that we do, uh, particularly for adults, like the films and the lectures. We have the programming that we do for families with demos and, you know, family tours and all of those sorts of things. We, and, and that's a nice thing, 
and the museum is multi-layered as far as its programming and as far as its collection and so there are different ways to go through the museum for example I think one of the programs that I really I think it's a favorite because it evolves so far past what I thought it was going to be is our audio tour program and so when you think about an audio tour or at least when I was I came here and was presented with the idea of an audio tour I thought oh well we need this structure where you have to check out these devices that everybody has to check out and um, so on and so forth. Well, the gallery space is small and we didn't have storage area for that. So then it evolved to, well, we're going to do something on a cell phone. And okay, well, how's that gonna look? And so that was prior to there being smartphones or the predominance of smartphones. So um, we kind of started out very slow with this, you know, you can dial any number and dial in. Well, we didn't realize that in addition to it being one of four ways that you can go for the, through the collection on the audio tour, you can you know, just enjoy the beautiful art and go through and just enjoy the beauty. You can take an audio tour. You can have a docent guided experience or you can use our gallery guides. Those are the four kind of ways. Well, people were using the audio guide when they came home they would call it from their local phone because it was a local phone and they would call and and learn about an art they may take a picture of something in the gallery and then say oh well there's an audio stop but I can see I can call and so now we've even evolved it even further so now it's on our website so you can you can dial up one of the objects and listen to a little audio tour uh, audio stop on our website and that's really fun and the audio tour itself is multi-layered we've got our director speaking on the audio tour we have our curator speaking on the audio tour we have Hugh McCain who is the museum's founding director speaking on the audio tour so that's multi-layered as well programs can be embedded in the galleries like the audio tours or take form as standalone events, like lectures or family activities. Programs can dive into how the objects in a collection fit into the broader context of history, culture, and society. You know, one of the great things about working here at the Morse is the fact that we constantly reinterpret our permanent collection. And so, of course, we're most well known for our works, of, uh, works by Tiffany. But Tiffany was such a multi-dimensional artist that you know he covered the whole gamut from architecture to painting to you know everything in between furniture to glass, which of course is what he's most well known for. And so that has plus the time period he was in, you know, from you know the latter portion of the 19th century to the early portion of the 20th century. So it provides a really rich context for. Um, museum staff to interpret and so it, it's really fun because you can focus on we've had lesson plans where we focused on well the chemistry of making glass we've had programs where we've had somebody come in and talk about architecture and um, architecture in general so it really kind of we've had people do things on history so it kind of brings this whole kind of puzzle together and the more you learn the more you find oh there's another string I can weave in there's another there's another something I can pull in and it's created this beautiful fabric 
and it's so much fun because each time you think you've got it it's like oh there's more and so music uh, frequently when we have the music programs we um, have picked composers that may have worked during Tiffany's time period to you know we have one particular group in particular that she has music uh, composed just for just for the museum to play at the museum you know arranged for the museum so it's really a nice sort of way to bring everything together because you don't work in glass and you don't have art without chemistry and without science and the historical time period and all of that that's going on. I learned from Betsy that designing programming is not only about the contents of the events themselves, but also how the programs project the identity of the museum in the public perception and define a museum's role in the community. One of the really special things I think about a museum is the fact that it's a safe space where you can go with others and share ideas. And I think that um, that's always been something that my parents kind of impressed upon me and kind of as I was growing up, it was an important part of, of kind of the experience. And so when I came to the museum longer ago than I care to admit, I came from a, a background or kind of um, an institution that did a lot of children's programming and a lot of children's workshops, which is great, but because of the museum and kind of our size, we're not a large museum in like having uh, great gallery spaces as far as big, we're more on a domestic scale. So we don't really have a lot of space to do a bigger kind of program. So the idea of the family kind of experience and kind of making that something that we can really do well and nurture was how that came to be. I think a family is kind of a nice niche because I think that as you watch, um, you know, kind of everybody's busy lives, it's kind of a nice way for, you know, uh, the Morse I always think is a nice place that, you know, Grandma and Grandpa can enjoy, Mom and Dad can enjoy, and the kids can enjoy as well. So, and it's a, it's a great place for a date as well. The current location of the Morse Museum is not far from Rollins College, and previously it was on the college campus. Rollins, we've done some internships with uh, some of the art history students there, and they've particularly, uh, they've predominantly done it for credit. So we've done things where they've helped out in the education uh, portion of the department of the museum, helping with uh, writing curriculums if they might be interested in the education part, um, helping with research with um, our docent training. So we're finding period articles and fun facts about, you know, art that can help. Uh, also, they've helped with um, community relations and helping with those sorts of things. So we try to make it a nice experience for them to kind of learn and be part of the museum and to actually see what museum professionals do. Betsy also shared her perspective on how to get started on the path to becoming a museum professional. Probably the first thing I would recommend is that um, go visit a variety of museums to see what really resonates with you. And I actually started out as a, um, I wanted to be a studio artist. I wanted to go to art school. So what happened to me was I went to college and part of the studio program was you had to take art history as part of the curriculum. And I ended up taking an art history class and I loved it. 
And so that's kind of where I found my path. And then I started visiting museums. So I think that, um, and each museum has its own special, special gift or special focus, if you will. I think that that would be my recommendation. Go visit museums, find out whether they have any volunteer positions, you know, get your, get your feet wet, so to speak, and see what you like and don't like. Frequently, you find what you like to do when you find out what you don't want to do. Before we parted, I shared this quote with Betsy by Hugh McCain, spoken at the museum's inaugural exhibition, The Art of Costa Rica, in 1942. He said, quote, We shall bring here the things people make for the joy of making, whether they be painted bowls, ox carts, carvings, or pictures. We shall encourage more the desire to understand than to judge. If we succeed in helping others to find the meaning and the beautiful in art from all times and places, the good accomplished here will last longer than these walls. I think that's a really important idea because I think that people, especially especially now, it seems like everybody, everything's about like the destination, the destination, the destination. and the joy in many things is in the journey. And when you're creating something, that's part of the journey. That's one of the reasons why I think it's so important, even if you don't fashion yourself an artist or you don't really want to do a project, there's something very calming about doing said project and it's fun to get into it and to enjoy the process because you learn when you do that process. and you may learn something you never knew about yourself, or you may learn something when you're working with someone, how cool that is. That, And I think that's important, and I think that's what brings meaning and joy into a lot of our lives. That was Betsy Peters, the Director of Programs at the Charles Hosmer Morris Museum of American Art. And this has been an installation of Avant, a series by Women in the Arts, Inc a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to celebrating the genius of women. For more information about our mission and programs, you can visit www.womeninthearts.org or find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Women in the Arts, Inc.